0: Hiya and welcome back to the Wise Yourself Up podcast. I am your host, Carden McGreevy, and this is episode four. Today we're going to talk about death and grief. I'm going to share what I've learned from studying death and what I've learned from experiencing three losses in a short period of time. And what I've learned from each of you and each of your shares, which I'm so grateful for you offering to me and to everyone who's listening. First of all, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listening and who's messaged. It means so much. It's so gorgeous to connect with each of you and to get chatting to you and to embed what you are sharing into the podcast and I think the nicest thing so far has been that there's women from very different backgrounds messaging me that they resonate so much and it's so gorgeous that we all mirror each other back and I think that helps the healing journey so much to realise that we're not so different, we're not so alone and we all go through this in different ways, the same energy in different ways. I'm currently recording on a very rainy, cold, Baltic Monday morning. It's actually the 27th of November, so I think this comes out in about two weeks' time, so this will be nice and close to Christmas, which can be an incredibly hard time for grief. Such a hard time that I am not coming home for Christmas this year. Uh, Because last year... My daddy died in September. My granny had just passed a year, but my granda was still here. And I cooked the dinner, so I stayed for Christmas Day and then I left for Bali and Boxing Day. I just felt like the year had been so mental. You know, my granny had been gone a year, I'm trying to think. And then my daddy... You know, we got the news that he was declining and that he would pass soon. And it was just a mental year between running between Belfast and San Francisco. It was just insane. And obviously being freelance and trying to manage work and everything, it was a really, just a really hard year. And I felt like I needed to cocoon. And they say the Bali is the liver of the earth. It's the healing energies of the earth. And it's, it's just home to me. And I wanted to go back, and I did. I wanted to go back to Bali to heal and recuperate. And so that's what I did last year. And my dream was always to do that again next year, which is why I only got a lease in my apartment in London in November. And everything's worked out. And I'm heading back, much to my mother's dismay, and going back to Bali before Christmas because every one of my family's in a couple. All my friends are in a couple. And I was never really into it, the Christmas, even when I was younger. And I did make an effort because of my grandmother, who loved it. And my best friend's born on Boxing Day. But sure now she has a wee baby, she doesn't go out, so that's even more reason that I... I don't think I've been out in a few years on Boxing Day, I actually can't remember. I just don't like the cues and all. So anyway, I'm rambling on here and going back to Bali. Which I'm delighted about. Because... I'm avoiding Christmas and just the pain of my granny and granda being gone. Um, Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. For some reason, in 2019, it dawned on me. Now, why it dawned on me this year? Nothing happened, my granny and granda. They were both... My granny was still running about everywhere, going to every social event she could find. And my granda was grand, although he probably slowed down before my granny in reflection. You know, he stopped walking. He used to walk into the town and back and be out and about, torturing every person he could find in Belfast. And um, For some reason, I realised, you know, they're getting older, so they would have been like... My granny would have been, if you're talking 2019, that's four years ago, she would be 91 now. She was about 86. Yeah, she would have been around 86, say. And I was clicking on, they're like, I don't think we have many more years left. Maybe we could have another 10, 20, please God. But, you know, on the other hand, we might have very few. And a lot of my friends had been through a lot. You know, I have a best friend who lost two baby girls. Another friend who lost her sister at just 25 and her sister was 35 my friends have lost their mothers at 18, fathers in recent years. There's been so much death in my circle of friends, which maybe brought it more to my awareness that, you know, I was going to experience this. In 2019, I decided I wanted to do my 300 hour advanced yoga teacher training. And I didn't want to do asana. I didn't want to go and learn more advanced yoga poses. That's not what calls me to yoga, even though I absolutely really enjoy moving and skillful movement and challenging myself in that way. That's not where my deepest curiosities lie. It lies in sex, death and life. My teacher was offering a course in those three subjects and through the lens of yoga. So everything just aligned. It's funny how the universe does that for us, isn't it? But it really did. I booked the course in November 2019. I think it was the death element that probably put me the most into that because the thought of losing my granny and granda gave me a panic attack, I just could not imagine my life without them because they were like my mummy and daddy and I lived with them all my life and I just adored them so much and I couldn't imagine my life without them and I didn't want to. But I knew I had to accept this. I suppose the motivation for it was I needed to accept this so that I could support them as much as I could through the last years of their lives, how many years that we had left. Weirdly enough, I've told you this in, I think it was episode one, but I'll I'll go over it again. So before Halloween, it was October 2019, I went to White Witch which a client of mine recommended me. It was Holly. If you're listening, Holly, it was you who sent me to this white witch. She only sees women. I went to her and, of course, we were drawing tarot cards and I drew the death card three times and I was like, oh, my God. I'm going to study death and I'm drawing the death card three times. Great. And I was like, oh, Shit. And she seen my face, like, you know, all the colour drained from it. It wasn't a good moment. I just looked at her, the white witch, and uh she goes, Don't worry, it won't happen for two or three years. And I was like, Oh, great, great. And I don't think I dwelled on it that much, but I sort of felt like I knew that it was true, you know, you get these feelings in life for A part of you knows that you're being told truth, even though you've no tangible reason to know what you know. So that was grand, and uh, my granny goes out every Wednesday night. (laughs) And I was sleeping in my granny's house, and she went out on this Wednesday night, and I was flying the Bali on the Saturday. It was very close together. could have been even a shorter time period than that. And my grand, they used to box in his sleep, because he's a rocket. And he used to fall out of bed. So I'm lying sleeping and I would be very sensitive to noise when I'm sleeping. And I heard this thud through the night. I was like, oh my God, this rocket has fell out of bed again. <laughs> so I got up and went out the landing, But there was my granny lying on the landing. And she had collapsed. That was the turning point for my granny. I rang an ambulance and she was so shaken up and... She had vertigo. My granny Adling had vertigo. Since then, she never left the house. Since everything changed, we were a very lucky family, you know. There were seven sons and daughters, twenty odd grandchildren living in Belfast. So we all took turns in caring for them and made sure that they were never left alone. Since this day, really, my granny stopped cooking, stopped leaving the house, and you know everything changed. So I had went away for the month of November. Was back in December, and so in the November I went to study death and so it was through the lens of yoga and a Tibetan lens of looking at how the body pass and the soul transcends and you know it's whether you're open to believing in that transition I'm not going to go through all that crack but I think the death week was the last week of the course because it was the most charged as you can imagine So I want to share with you the practices that really stuck with me and that I really urge you to practice too. One of them was to learn the poems and prayers that matters to the ones that you love because you know yourself that there's just a line you can hear or there's just a song that you can put on that comforts you. And if you are blessed with knowing, and it is a blessing and a curse, but knowing that your loved one's going to pass soon, then you can prepare the space in which they pass as much as you can that really comforts and supports them so that you can have music that's on, you can whisper words that matter to them because it's funny, so the first sense that develops in the womb is the ability to hear. So fetuses, babies inside their mummy's womb can recognise voices and sounds it's the first sense that comes online and it's the last sense to leave before you pass. How our science worked this I I don't know, but it's recognised in medicine and healing circles that the ability to hear is the last to leave. That's why it's important to keep speaking to your loved one as they pass. This is what was told to me. In palliative care, they will tell you the same that you keep talking to them, you keep affirming them, you keep letting them know that you're there and that you'll never leave them. You can speak words in their ear that will calm them in their transition to the next world. I believe in the next world, and I know that some of you may not. That's really your journey and your choice to make and whatever you believe in. But I absolutely believe I don't know what it is, by the way, but I believe in the next world, that the person who passes, energy can't be destroyed, right? And that you have a relationship with them in a different way, in a new way. That's the teaching in yoga and the Tibetan teachings would be that the person is moving to a new world and that they're in a new form. My granny was holy and I didn't ask, I don't think I asked my grandma what favourite prayer he knew. Funny that. I asked my granny what was her favourite prayer. And I didn't go to her, here, granny, what prayer would you want me to whisper when you're dying, if I get that chance? Like, I wasn't going to put the fear of God in her. Because me and my granny spoke often about dying because she was aware that she, that it was coming. You know, obviously you get to a certain age and you realise, like, my granny and granddad was a gig. And they'd be sitting eating breakfast. And my granny would go, we could be sitting pushing the daisies next year, Adeline. And my granny goes, are oh, you, mate? But I won't. You know, it was so funny, their banter around because My granny was just doom and gloom always. Like, oh, I'm dying and I'm going to die. And my granny's just used to roll her eyes at him. And obviously, I didn't want to put the fear of God in my granny. Like, I'm planning her death. So I just asked her what her favourite prayer was. And so beautifully, like, I would never have gotten this story had I not went to this course on death in Bali and been taught this by Andrea Bonney, who's a stunning teacher and meditation teacher, and he's a lot older gentleman. He's an absolute gentleman. And so I asked my granny what her prayer was, and she told me that when my mummy was interned at seventeen, she said this prayer every day. My granny was grateful that she didn't get a life sentence and that our daughter one day returned to her and she said the prayer every day since. And I think that's really gorgeous too, isn't it? That to keep on doing the practices, not just when your prayers are answered, but to continue those prayers to always offer, even when you're not struggling. I hope that makes sense, but I think that's really important, that when your prayers are answering, that you keep praying and offering that connection. The prayer was, I'll tell you, that. it? If it's not too long, it's called Little Teresa. And I think it's gorgeous because it's not too religious. And it goes Little Teresa, little Teresa, I come with the whispered prayer. Little Teresa, little Teresa, have you a rose to spare? No pale bud there asked of you, but a bloom that is wondrous fair. Little Teresa, little Teresa, have you a rose to spare? Too little your hands to hold them all, you are dropping them everywhere. That beautiful one, so near your heart. Have you that rose to spur? Ah, yes, I know for your love's dear sake, thorns were your hoarded share. Sometimes, though, you asked your love if he had a rose to spur. What do you whisper, little Teresa, as you smile from your picture there? Have you but the thorny stands for me? Have you no rose to spur? Then teach me, like you, to prize of the thorns with their hidden healing cure, and I shall be glad because, for me, you truly a rose to spur. How gorgeous is that? So I began to say that prayer every day since my granny told me it. And she told me stories about, you know, she would say the prayer and she would get roses and all these signs and things like that. So it's really gorgeous. On the day that my granny passed, I whispered that prayer in her ear. Um, You know, I don't know if it was minutes or hours before she passed. I can't really remember now, but it was quite soon to the passing. And we had that prayer at the back of her mass booklet too and I, I say that prayer every day and it makes me feel so connected to her so if you know poems and songs and prayers that mean something to the people you love and then that's something that you can always uh like a touchstone for you for when they eventually leave or if they've already left Another exercise we did was you write a letter to your loved one telling them as if they're dying. So I had actually written letters to my granny as if she was dying back then. I tried to tell her everything that I felt about her. But that's really hard, isn't it? Energetically, I would meditate trying to tell her how much I loved her and how much she meant to me. And so, obviously, I was only doing these letters about my granny and granda. And then, after that, my daddy got diagnosed with cancer in the summer of 2020. And I owed him a letter then. And it was only closer to the time when I knew that he was definitely going to pass, so, you know, that it was going to be that year. So it was, uh, it was in the year 2022. And I wrote him a letter... And I rewrote him letters. I was leaving San Francisco because he was hoping that he would have more time, even though I knew that it was going to be close. You know, the doctors would give us a, a timeline, but it really messes with your head. And Anyone who's been through this, you just know it. You know the crack. Like You, you wish that the doctors get it wrong, because they do. There's blips in the system and they get it wrong. But normally they're not far off majority of the time, like 80% of the time, I'd say. That's my guess. I just made that up, by the way. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) So they said that he only had weeks left, so I was sort of like, I don't see the point in going back. But I definitely think that Stephen wanted to believe that he had longer and that I could come back again while he was well. So I wrote the letter just in case that he wouldn't be well the next time I returned, and I gave him the letter And it may not be well-received in terms of when you write a letter, you have to have no expectation from the other person. I would have loved a letter from my dad. You know, I would have loved, you know, I've heard this from other people, people who write letters to open when you're 40 or letters to open when you first get married or for your 40th birthday. There's people who have done that and... You know, I know the cancer research or the palliative care team would encourage parents of young children here dying to write letters. And I had wanted that, but it was impossible. You know, Stephen, he didn't want to say goodbye. And that's it. I hear that a lot. And it's not that I wanted to say goodbye either, but I wanted him to know how I felt. And this was my last chance. If someone close to you is passing away, if you're not able to give them the letter, you can still write the letter and offer it energetically. The best piece of advice that I've been told and I've been taught that I can offer and share is that you need to meet the person where they're at because they're the ones who are dying and they're the ones who need support. And of course you are going through it too. But I really feel that they're the one who are suffering and they're the one who are leaving. And for me, it was really important that I met Stephen where he was at, despite, you know, things that I would have liked to have happened, you know, certain conversations and different things and the acceptance around what happens, happens and what is the most loving act that you can do for the person who's leaving and most supportive for them, and how they're dealing with everything. So I hope that makes sense. Stephen didn't speak to me about the letter. I think it was just too hard for him. Stephen, my dad, really didn't want to leave. So many of you have shared that with me, loved ones who were passing away, who really didn't want to leave, and talk about dying with you. And talk about the next steps. That's the second piece, is to write the letters as if the person's dying. Another exercise was write the letters if you were dying. If you were going to die tomorrow, what would you want your eulogy to be? Who would you write letters to? So on the reverse, say you were dying tomorrow, like you would leave a letter to maybe your mummy and daddy if they were alive, to your children, to your partner. And there was a couple on the course who wrote letters to each other as if each other was dying, and that was really powerful for them. It just really makes you appreciate the person, even though it seems torturous. It really makes you wake up. And I feel from doing the course on death that I stopped rushing as much with my granny and granda. I wasn't as distracted. I was really treating all my directions with them as if it was my last. As much as you can, you know, do that with life as well, but it definitely made me rush less and be more present and less on my phone and really listen to them, really take loads of more photos and record them. My granny didn't like to be recorded, so I didn't do that, but i try and write down her stories and just be really present. And that was the gift of writing these letters, was to connect you to death. I can't remember if it's David Kessler or who it was who said this quote, keep death close if you want to have a full life. Keep death close. That is the practice that you're doing here by writing these letters, is that you're keeping death close, the very certain reality that you will one day leave and the people that you love will one day leave and we don't know what order that's going to happen in. What plays on my mind now is how would you like this world to meet grief? And the problem is that the world has no space for grief. This capitalist 24-7 world has no space for grief. I mean, when we really think about it, it is ridiculous that we expect people to return to work days after losing someone so close to them. And that if it's a friend or a family or someone who's not immediate family, we are not supported. Like, it's crazy. When my granny died, like I said, I had a lot of friends who'd been through a lot of loss. So I had that resource to ask them what their advice was about taking time off work. And I'm freelance, so it is very hard. It's really difficult. The fear of losing your business, losing your customers, all that scarcity mentality. But we really want to make decisions in line with the Buddhist teachings. This is what I believe in, by the way. That we really want to make decisions out of love, not out of fear. Because that's so contracted and so restrictive. To make decisions out of love leads to a really beautiful life, is what the Buddhists teach. I asked my friends, how much time should I take off? And they said that I should take off at least a month. A few of them said that they took two weeks off and went back and fell apart. Some people went back after a week and were snapping and falling out with everybody. When you're going through grief, you've very little tolerance, very little patience, so it's very difficult to work. And you're just so drained and exhausted from this whole experience, and I really don't think it's a space for creativity. Although, in time, your grief will make something incredibly profound for you in time. Now, it's a lifelong journey. One of my favourite quotes from Tara Brack is that grief is eternal because so is love. It's forever. It's not done. I've had some beautiful shares from you that the grief feels as strongly as it did 15 years ago. And in a weird way, that gives me hope, because I always want to feel this close to my granny and granda and the dad, you know? So when you feel the pain, it's feeling the closeness. The grief is the love. You don't want that to ever diminish, right? And as much as it feels horrendous, I have gratitude for the days where I collapse. To grieve in this world is an act of rebellion. We want to be told that it's okay to take the time off. But you have to do that for yourself. You need space to grieve. And if you're thinking, I don't know how to grieve, the body knows how to grieve. Come into her more. Come into him more. Come into them more. The body knows how to grieve. It knows how to love. It knows how to let go. It knows how to restore itself. You need to come out of the mind for that to happen. Two practical resources I would offer is walking. It's recommended by psychologists for helping people through grief. As it's slow and steady, you're not like spiking your heart rate, you're not putting your body into a more state of rest, which exercise can do depending on... The intensity. So, you want to do something that is going to not bring you into a very aroused mode. Walking is great, it gets you outside, it's slow and steady and can really help regulate your heart and your breathing. It's grounding and restores you and gets you out of nature. And secondly, I really recommend the cold water, getting into the ocean. Where we all came from is water, right? Our mother's womb, our first evolution. We were blobs of cell in the water. So coming back to the water brings us back to the origins. And we remember that this is all meant to be. To be born and die. It's linked to the mother, that maternal energy of nourishing you and nurturing you, which is what is needed. I read a beautiful quote from a girl. And her name is Charlotte, and I'm going to ask her permission about sharing this, but she had a beautiful mushroom trip, and she talks about connecting to how well cared for you are as a baby. Can you care for yourself like that now? Really attend to yourself, and it really stuck with me, that you really need to take such good care of yourself in the weeks and days post-grief. You really need to make space, and if you need to sleep, you need to sleep. You have to let the waves of emotion and the stages of grief come and go. Keep talking about them. Don't be afraid of upsetting people. I think a lot of people feel that way because it can be so painful to remember. And not that anyone could ever forget, but it's so nice to talk about them, I feel. And to share stories and things that you've forgotten, only things that they said, and the way that they smelled, and the things that they ate, like they make their favorite meals, eat them. I'm now going to turn it into a chicken kushon and chip and pepper sauce because that's all my granny ate. So that's what I eat when I'm back in Belfast and going to the restaurants that she used to come to, and just all the wee things like that that can keep their memory alive, like things that they used to do what they used to eat, where they used to go to. You know, if they have friends around, ask their friends for stories, meet up with their best friends, their cousins, their relatives. Finally, grief is really connected to the organ of the lungs in embodiment and somatics. It is said and taught that grief is stored in the lungs So when you consciously breathe, you consciously feel. Normally you meet, firstly, any emotions that you've been struggling to feel. And grief is so painful, so it makes sense that sometimes we repress, whether that's conscious or unconscious, that emotion. And there's a a breath specialist called Max Storm. He's a beautiful TED Talk. It was Mark Craig from Studio 52 Studio 54 one of them numbers told me about and I love it and Max Storm travels the world teaching breath work to leading CEOs and leading business people he reports in his finding of travelling the world and teaching breath that a lot of people's panic attacks and sleepless nights are due to unprocessed grief and that could occur 5 years 10 years 15 years post when the person has left. Conscious breathing and consciously feeling your grief and making space can help aid these symptoms of grief, can help you sleep better, can help how anxious you feel, which is so common. The anxiety post-grief is next level. You may notice that when you're processing grief that you have a cough, like myself right now, or that your breathing can feel really painful are shallow, it can be hard to breathe. And a lot of you have shared who experienced sudden death, that you experienced a panic attack that it was so hard to breathe. It was so hard to take in the information because it was so shocking. I'm just going to finish with some shares. So one of the shares is from a girl called Moshin, and she says, people think there is a time limit and you'll be back to yourself when you never will. And it's funny because that links to the lungs are the organ of transformation. Grief is stored in the lungs and grief transforms. As awful as the experience is, I always like to believe that it's transforming you into something better. That the mark of that great love that you shared, that you will offer something more in your life somehow. Another woman... Shared, the anger that comes with you, it can blindside you. Everyone expects the sadness. Sorry, I only share the names when I know the names. Some of you have weird Instagram names and it's hard for me to remember your first name. Yeah, a lot of people expect the sadness, but the anger is very real. Constant crying to and from work, crying the whole way there and the whole way home. Another woman shared total burnout. Another gorgeous woman, Lisa, shows after losing her husband total burnout after 17 months of surviving loss. I think that can be common after a sudden loss that it's so shocking that you're just in that fight mode for a long time and then we can go into collapse. We can sleep a lot and It can be difficult to stand up. It can be difficult to do basic tasks of eating. It can be difficult to do very basic things. And at times like that, the advice that I would give and the advice that's been given to me is to take the time off if you can. Really let yourself recuperate until you get the basics down again of taking in food and water and sleep and going into the hibernation Depression is a period of recuperation too. A loss of presence, another woman shared. Dissociating, that's just not being there in close family and friends and I think that's okay. It's just choosing whether you want to be around family and friends and the balance between not isolating yourself too much and not distracting yourself too much with friends and family. Another person shared the physical heartache, the absolute brutality that you can feel in your body when someone dies. It's very physical, a very physical pain in your heart. I remember after my granny's funeral, I felt like someone had beaten me with a a bat. It was weird, it was the day after that I felt, um, like, literally, like I was black and blue. I want to briefly touch on this. A few people have a few different shares in this. Some people are so grateful that they took the time off or were able to care for their loved one, which is, it's a lot. It's a lot when your life is in that limbo mode and it's such a gift that you got to be there for your loved one. And that takes a long time to recover from energetically. You will probably sleep for a long, long time, and it can take a long time for you to get your energy levels back up. Really allow for that. And in other showers, there's a lot of people who didn't think that the death would come so fast that they thought they had more time, and they have deep regret around that. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Depending on where your loved one was at and how much they share it with you with their symptoms, And when you live away, it's very hard to know what the truth is, unless you're there. Be so compassionate with yourself and acceptance. And I always like to think that perhaps that's what they wanted. Some people, I think, wanted the dialogue. They didn't want the goodbye. Just as in relationships, there's no perfect breakup. And there's no perfect goodbye in death. Not that I've ever experienced. There's always, I wish I had more time. I wish I'd said these things. I wish I got to speak to them about this or that. I wish I got to be there. And that's massive. You can always say the things you wanted to say energetically. You can still write the letters now even though the person's left suddenly or that you didn't get to be there. My belief, and the belief that I've been taught through the Tibetan teachings and the teachings of yoga, is that energetically you're still connected, you're still in relationship, so you can still speak to them through letters, through meditation, and have the goodbye that you didn't get to have. I hope that you offer yourself so much compassion and so much forgiveness, You did the best that you could with the information that you had with everything else that's going on in your life. Hope you get to remember your loved ones who aren't here this Christmas and mark them in any way that serves. I'd love to hear and I'd love to share that with you, any ideas you have. And i will probably just share that on Instagram because you might not have time to share before Christmas on a podcast ways that you're going to remember them. And honour them. Be really gentle with yourself. You sleep as much as you can. You cancel plans if you need to. And you let the body tell you what you need and what you need to do. I'm going to finish with one of my favourite quotes to encourage you to cry all those warm, salty tears. I think I shared that in the Instagram post recently that it's a teaching of shamanism that When you cry warm, salty tears, you're being called back to the ocean to let it heal you because it's cold and salty. It's gorgeous, that relationship. And this is one of my favorite quotes to help you honor your tears. There is a sacredness in tears. They are not a mark of weakness, but of power. They speak more eloquently than 10,000 tongues. They are the messengers of overwhelming grief. And of unspeakable love. that's from Washington Irving. I hope you're enjoying the Christmas crack. The Christmas madness. Yeah, I think I'm in Bali now that this goes out. And I have a course starting. I have two courses starting. If you want to regulate and process your emotions and really connect and really take care of yourself in the month of January. I have a recorded course that you can work through at your own pace, which is Wave Effect 1 for beginners who are learning to feel and connect to their body, and then Wave Effect 2, which is a course that is just is a wee bit more, that offers more spaces of stillness and silence the best thing I could teach any of you is the practice of being with yourself because to attend to yourself is the highest form of love and that is really loving yourself. It's not doing, it's being. And this is what these courses teach. So if you want to join me, I meet other gorgeous women. There's some room and you can find out full details at www.carlamcgreavy.com. Thank you so much for listening I hope you take really good care of yourself and I am loving the community that we're building together so keep emailing me keep reaching out and uh, we'll keep chatting Thank you so much for listening I have been your host Carter McGreevy and this is the Wise Yourself Up podcast